1: Welcome to SpyCast from the Secret Files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Stout, historian of the museum. I'm a Ph.D. author and historian who served for 13 years as an analyst in the U.S. intelligence community. Every month, the museum brings you interesting talks with authors, scholars, and practitioners who have something to do with the world of intelligence and espionage. We're joined today by Thomas Ryan, a partner at a company called Provide Security, which works in the computer security realm, doing things like internal and external vulnerability assessments, penetration testing and exploit development, uh, and source code analysis, and all sorts of other things that my brain is not big enough to understand. I've heard Thomas uh, speak a number of times, and I can tell you you're going to find what he has to say interesting. And um, if you're awake, it'll be more than a little alarming. I suspect, uh, in its implications for intelligence and security uh, of our country. So, Thomas Ryan, welcome to the International Spy Museum. Thank you, Mark. Um, Thomas, let's start out with just, uh, if you could just tell us, who is Robin Sage?
0: Um, Robin Sage was a fictional character I created in testing how fake personas work on the Internet and how people do their research to validate if this person is real or not. For the whole comp- context, Concept of denial and deception. How can a person, you know, go online and extract information about you without you knowing it? So tell
1: us a little bit about Robin Sage's career. What did you have her do?
0: So focusing, the target was on the intelligence and the security community. So to spice that up, I put her as uh, you know, a reputable education. She went to St. Paul's out of, uh, was in new hampshire and then she went to mit a good school from there she was an intern at the nsa and then she worked at the naval network warfare command
1: and all of this was fiction
0: all of it was fiction
1: okay and so you put her on in the facebook world the linkedin world this sort of thing
0: facebook linkedin twitter blogger several sites just to help propagate it through the internet so if anybody tried to do any um, information lookups on her, you would find it.
1: And where did the pictures come from? Who is this woman, visually speaking?
0: Um, the pictures came from a site similar to Suicide Girls. The reason why that was chosen was because there's lots of pictures of a particular person.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So she put herself, or you put her there, out there in the social media world uh, with what intent? What 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 did you do with her?
0: Okay. The intent was for a few things. One was I chose a person that looked like she may have come from a Russian background, okay, and particularly you know areas where spies were known, like Kazakhstan, other areas like that. Um, Other things I focused on were the the appeal to certain types of intelligence communities, okay, because hackers like a unique look, and then intelligence people like another look. And then I would reference back to things like lot, lots of people like to watch like NCIS. So I said she was like Abby Sciuto of NCIS, you know, just to, just to you know, heighten the appeal.
1: And um, how popular was she? Did people, um, did people flock to her in the Facebook world?
0: Uh, they did. They did. Uh, the propagation was there. Um, ironically, she was outed about 11 times, 11 different ways but it never propagated well enough to where other people wouldn't friend her.
1: So even though people were saying, hey, I figured out she isn't who she's supposed to be, that didn't stop additional people from just friending her and and, and trying to associate themselves with her. They ignored that, basically.
0: Correct, and the thing I was looking for was how are they looking for the information, okay? This way, it gives me a general idea of how most people look for information. So you can cross-pollinate that and hide all of that information. So, for instance, one way she was outed by um, a hacker named Simple Nomad, one thing he did was he looked up um, that she went to MIT, because if you go to MIT.edu, you can look up all their alumni to validate who is there, who actually went to the school. And it's like that at most colleges.
1: And she wasn't on that list. No. Okay. Uh, and you also built some... Fairly obvious clues into her persona that she wasn't who she said she was, too, didn't you?
0: So everything was based on fiction. So her name, first of all, came from the Army Special Forces training exercise.
1: Called Robin Sage. Yes.
0: Her Facebook URL said, I'm a spy. It was uh, Robin dot 641a the whole thing about San Francisco and the NSA with the little room that records every phone call. Um, her address was the address of Blackwater down in... Uh, North Carolina. Um, and it was just simple things like that that would just slap you in the face if you looked it up. Um, other things that stood out, if you looked up the name Robin Sage as living in those areas where she said she had lived, everyone was a male over the age of 50. Which she wasn't.
1: No. Um, all right. And so who were you able to attract then into a, a social media relationship with this fictional Robin Sage?
0: So the whole testing phase went 28 days. And then I just let it go dormant and see how it would still propagate. Um, And what happened was I was able to go out, I got different people, different organizations. Um, I targeted mostly the higher-ups within the organizations because when you target the people lower on the scale, it usually has a drastic effect. So they would cut off social media, nobody could talk to their relatives while they're overseas. And that's not the approach I wanted to make. The approach was... You know, high-profile people, this is the information you get out, um, this is what you share with the person, and when you share that information, it sometimes you can't unfriend it or take away the information because now that we have mobile devices, as soon as you click accept, all that information gets downloaded to somebody's phone.
1: Well, I was just going to say, so I friend somebody on Facebook or LinkedIn, so what? I mean, what have I shared with them? I haven't really shared anything important, have I?
0: You shared your name where you were born, um, your phone number, um, your email address, and just those few pieces of information I was able to take and profile people, um, find everything out about them. For instance, one person, their email address showed me everything that they do on the internet, every blog they post on every site that they belong to. And then from that, I was able to deduce the security questions to things like bank accounts, email addresses, um, you know, once you answer them, you can get into their systems. So
1: all those security questions like what was the name of your first pet and, you know, who was your first grade teacher and those sorts of things? Right. So you were able to get into their, at least hypothetically, you were able to get into their bank accounts and well, some of these sorts of things. Yeah, I mean,
0: hypothetically, you were able to get into their bank You didn't actually their steal bank. their money? <laughs> no. I'm leaving that to the guys like LulzSec and Anonymous.
1: So you were able to get some fairly senior people in the U.S. government and the U.S. Uh, uh, intelligence community. If I understand correctly, you got her, what, boss's boss or something of this sort at the Navy, somebody for whom she supposedly worked at the Navy to friend her?
0: There was actually several people at Netwarcom that friended her, um, her boss, which would be her boss, um, which was kind of ironic because I, I think the first thing you should do is know everybody you work with, everybody in the command, whether you remember their face or not. She was kind of... Um, Stood out with her gouged ears and her hair and everything else. So she was the reputable, you know, the rememberable type. You go and you say, "Yeah, I would remember her," but nobody did.
1: And you had, I think, NSA officials and people all over the military and
0: yes, had people all over the military, joint chiefs of staff, House Chairman, uh, Chief of Staff of the House of Reps, um, NSA. You know, you name, I think the only people I didn't get were the uh, CIA, Secret Service, the FBI, because they're too busy faking online profiles anyway. yeah, you know, and different people like that.
1: Why didn't you get the uh, CIA? Did you not target them, or were they just I was afraid uh, more to target secure? them. We're afraid <laughs> to target them. All right. <laughs> and I believe I heard in an earlier uh, talk that I heard you give on this that you got uh, a Delta operator who was in Afghanistan. Am I remembering correctly? Well, what
0: happened was there were a couple of rangers that were posting pictures, um, and you can't post it while you are out in the field, so once you get back to base... But what happens is it takes the GOIP data from where you actually take that image, that shot. And from that, it stores it in the picture, and you have the EXIF data of where people normally are. So technically, that could be used against you. But technically, once you know about that, you can use it for counterintel also. What do you mean by that? So the EXIF data inside an image is modifiable. Okay. So if you change the actual location and you... Booby-trapped that area, and somebody went there, you would know people were following you. Okay.
1: So if uh, if Robin Sage had been run not by Thomas Ryan of Provide Security, a good loyal American, um, but say by a foreign intelligence service, uh, the Chinese or the Cubans or this sort of thing, um, what might have been the results? You know, ultimately, how how serious an issue is this?
0: Um. It becomes more serious the more information you put out there. What do you mean by that? So if you're the person that sits there and tweets your whole life away, you know more about that person. You're better able to profile everything that they do. Um, One scary part is if you're constantly tweeting pictures on Twitter, there's a tool out there called Creepy. And what it'll do is it'll it'll create an analysis of your patterns and where you take pictures and where you upload them from. Um, And then you can create patterns as to what people do. Um, And this, like to the everyday home user, it's not a bad thing. But when you have to worry about your children doing it and stalkers, and you have to worry about, you know, if you're running some type of operation or depending on what your job is. You could be, you know, a cryptographer in the military. That would be uh, a key issue. And if somebody's profiling you, they're going to look for some dirt on you.
1: So this could be used ultimately then as a tool for intelligence agencies to, foreign intelligence agencies, to spot and assess Americans who have access to sensitive information uh, that they might want to then target for recruitment. Yes. spy for them, potentially.
0: Or use against them, use them for blackmail. Because one instance that we found was we found somebody on a wife-swapping site, which wasn't a good thing. Somebody
1: with a security clearance. Probably. Yes. Yes. How delightful. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, how easy is it? To, we, we've all been uh, fascinated with the story of Osama bin Laden recently. How easy it, is it to track down SEALs on the Internet? I noticed that the administration has been uh, very cagey about, uh, uh, you know, precisely who did this. And apparently the president didn't even ask uh, the, the identity of the, of the person who, who killed bin Laden. Is it easy to if I want to go find SEALs, could I do that? In the social media world?
0: In the social media world, I would have to say they all started coming out um, probably since the first survivor, when Rudy Bosch was on the first survivor. That's when they learned that it's okay to come out to help publicize what you do. So people, a lot of times, will bring up their SEAL background. That doesn't always mean that they're active. You know, they could be former SEALs, it enhances their job, you know, or where they may be going. But they also, the other problem is you also have a lot of phonies out there. And those phonies cause a lot of problems because nobody knows how to check up on them. So it, there's some intel, some counter intel. It all depends on how you look at it. There were several cases where we actually did find operators from the teams and from Delta and from Alpha teams. And we were able to report back to them and say, well, you need to fix how you share your information.
1: So now are these sorts of things that you did to find these various special operators is this ultimately, technically speaking, really high speed, fancy stuff, or is this something that, say, Al Qaeda uh, might be able to do?
0: $650 tool.
1: $650 tool. So you just have to know to buy it, and then you can do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is this a, uh, are these sorts of things vulnerabilities that are unique to America, the United States, and to people in, you know, uh, the US government and security community, or are other governments and countries around the world comparably vulnerable?
0: No, a lot of other countries are vulnerable, but they're, see, the, the difference between America and those countries, they feel like they protect their data, you know, and their information is not shared, it's not out there, but it really is. America is a little bit more transparent, so sometimes it's a little easier to find, but I've been able to find people overseas, um, trace backs, you know, other methods of deception is to get who they really are, what they're doing, um, different things like that.
1: So how about the Russians, for example? Can we get, can we get them? <laughs> very easily. I mean, the Russians have this, um, the, the stereotypical image of the Russians is it's very closed society, even in the, in the post-Soviet world, and that they really you know, protect their secrets.
0: Well, the, the way the Russians work is they, they like to try and communicate with people back here in the U.S., and we found this on a couple of so russian social media sites so they'll try and communicate to people here that have you know now have their green cards you know they're trying to be good american citizens but yet they're trying the russians are trying to socially engineer and manipulate them into believing they could do stuff and it's legal
1: maybe you should explain what social engineering is for a moment and then we'll come back to russia
0: okay social engineering is basically the art of manipulation so you've heard of things like spear phishing and stuff like that where you get these fake emails to tell you it's a nigerian scam and tells you you've got, you can inherit all this money that's an example of social engineering so what they'll do is they'll say oh we're going to give you all this money. We need you to buy these parts, and we'll have somebody come pick them up, and then they'll take care of all the shipping back here. Now, not knowing any better that these are banned because there's no clear sites out there that says, okay, these are the banned items for people to sell, um, that creates a problem.
1: So this is what the Russians are doing then? Yes. In terms of buying these, these parts that are, say, prescribed from export.
0: Yes. Okay. So that's one That's one thing. I mean, and as you sit and you monitor it, you begin to learn more. Um, and, and there's just several other things that are going on. And they can profile us just as well as we can profile them. So that becomes major risk since most of the hacking comes out of China and Russia and areas like that.
1: There was also, I believe, a famous case with a senior MI6 official in Britain.
0: Yes. He... Uh, that was like an eye-damaging case where he was out there in his speedos which we did not want to see how alarming because what happens a lot of times is you can lock down your site but then you always have your wife and your kids who are always willing to share that information so here here's daddy and you know at the beach and then one of the cases it was actually showing other people he was with which becomes problematic if the other people are you know doing some type, whatever type of work they're doing
1: are there you know, you know sort of legitimate fraud detection sorts of applications for for uh, for these collection techniques that you're talking about, or is this all ultimately uh, in the realm of either espionage or of crime?
0: Right now, there are no fraud detection tools. You just have to because another perfect example is um, Facebook now has another fake Robin Sage account, and it has not over not run by you, not run by me, and it has over 1,500 people following it. And it's using the same picture, but the problem that that person's going to incur is as of January, because of the Robin's age, um, California came out with a law, SB 1411, that says if you use anyone else's image, you can be, um, you know, tried. And whatever punishment there is, I didn't really read into it. But now they created a crime about impersonating people and using their images.
1: How about the uh, people like the IRS or other, uh, you know, sort of governmental organizations? Are, are there applications of this for them?
0: Well, what they've, I've seen done in the past is people that talk about you know, how much money they have. Well, sometimes one of your friends is probably an IRS agent. Um, other t- things that you'll see is when you're posting pictures of yourself constantly and you're supposed to be out on a workman's comp, don't be surprised if there's a workman's comp agent looking to verify that and then file a fraud case against you.
1: So if I'm out, you know, hang gliding while I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, laid up with my, you know, in a neck brace or something, that uh, that could give me away. Yes. Workman's comp is likely to be watching. Um, in the end, then, social media is a reality. Um, it's here. It's now. And it's probably going to become more. Uh, more integrated into our lives rather than less over time. It'll certainly change, but I think it's here to stay. Um, given that, then, is should we really think about this as a net security sort of harm to the United States, given everything that you said? Or is it a net security benefit? I mean, we are vulnerable, but as you've indicated, other countries are vulnerable as well. So how should we think about this? Is this something to, you know, suffer through, or is this ultimately something that benefits uh, properly exploited is um, a net benefit to U.S. national security and U.S. intelligence?
0: Well, I think for military and the intelligence communities, there has to be a certain guideline, which there isn't yet. How do you lock your profile? To And then how do you control who your friends are? Because some of the instances that we had, not only from that picture, we also had other military people. You know, not just from the US, but from other countries talking about movements. Movements, what do you mean? Like military movements? Military movements when they're taken off in a helicopter. You know, and if, th- if this was being trolled, somebody could set up an attack that way. Um, so it's just a guideline to say what to do, what not to do, sort of like how NIST comes out with st- security standards. How do we protect our internet infrastructure? Come out with something. How do we use social media securely based on? each person's, um, level of risk.
1: So you'd encourage prudent security measures in the United States. And meanwhile, let's go to town on, on other countries that we have an intelligence interest in.
0: I can either confirm or deny that question.
1: On that note, Thomas Ryan, thank you so much for a fascinating and, and more than a little disturbing, uh, discussion here at the International Spy Museum. Thank you. We look forward to continuing this dialogue with you, and we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's SpyCast. You can get in touch with us through email at spycast at spymuseum.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next month.